You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I am CJ Palmasano. I am your host, and we have a lot to get into. So, uh, so uh, big, big, a lot of big shit happening this week. Um, <laughs> um, there, uh, there's some stuff going on with Charlotte Flair. There's some stuff going on with Ring of Honor. There, uh, AEW happened, uh, Dynamite happened this week. Um, we got a packed packed episode with a bunch of stories to go through um first and foremost uh i am not even sure where we should begin but uh i'm i think we should just kick off with as 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 my old and my forever co-host sean mcchesney's always said gotta kick off with the biggest news and that is roh seemingly shutting down you know oh man so reading an article here saying as reported earlier today here at EWN, the website, Ring of Honor took to Twitter to reveal that the company will be taking a hiatus following the Final Battle 2021 in December. According to their official statement, ROH is planning to, quote, reimagine the company and find a, quote, new mission strategy. Let's uh, let's read that quote here real quickly. ROH, uh, around close to 3.30 in the afternoon, uh, Wednesday, October 27th, stated, throughout the pandemic, our top priority was to keep everyone healthy and safe, and despite not producing any live events for over 18 months, we were able to keep everyone fully contracted. We now find ourselves at a time where we need to make changes to our business operations and are planning a pivot for Ring of Honor with a new mission and strategy. The year will culminate with Final Battle in December, and we are taking the first quarter of 2022 to work uh, internally to reimagine ROH. ROH has the most dedicated fans in the industry, and we appreciate their loyalty and patience as we reconceptualize ROH. We anticipate returning to live events in April for the Supercard of Honor with a few new fan-focused product and provide a unique experience for wrestling fans. Shortly after this, uh, uh, Dave Meltzer has said that that ROH had released everyone from their contracts. And Sean Ross Sapp was saying that uh, based on who I've spoken to with ROH releases are effective at the end of the year. If a contract goes beyond that, they are paid until March 31st. ROH talent was told to contract Greg Gillian uh, if they want to work elsewhere and if they're under a deal that'll uh, that'll work on making that happen. A lot of broken hearts regarding the ROH stuff. They treat the roster really well during the pandemic, but this is a lot of people hurting emotionally. That's his opinion. Um, It says that we were told that Joe Coff, the president of uh, ROH, if you're unaware, told Talent he had multiple meetings trying to fight for ROH, but ultimately Sinclair made the call. Talent was told that there was some type of TV show that will be placed after Final Battle, but weren't told uh, what that would be. Brian Alvarez uh, later reported saying ROH will do tapings in November and the f- and the run final battle 
run the final battle pay per view on pay per view. Nobody's contract will be renewed, but everyone's under contract will finish out the year. They, however, are able to work anywhere they want immediately. We are told rumors Sinclair canceled the show are not true. A bit of conflicting reporting, but um, I mean, this this is this is shocking. But to me personally, I can't say I'm all that surprised. Um, I think I'm surprised it happened so soon, but it, it's it's a shocking thing, man. So, I mean, for those, those of us who are wrestling fans and hardcore wrestling fans who listen to this podcast and someone like myself who does this, Ring of Honor has been a staple of the pro wrestling industry for the past 20 years or so. You know, it started off small, and you could always say it was always was a quote-unquote smaller promotion compared to, like, WWE and AEW, of course, and even New Japan to a certain extent. New Japan has a much uh, more lengthy, uh, I guess, room to grow over the years. My point is, ROH, uh, we saw once the Elite had left Ring of Honor, and a lot of guys were leaving Ring of Honor to... Go over to AEW, you know, that being Cody Rhodes, Hangman Page, the Young Bucks, uh, Christopher Daniels, Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian, you know, and over time, other people leaving ROH also, you know, like um, like uh, Cole Cabana and others, you know, but the elite leaving was the big hit, and we all knew that ROH was going to take a hit because of AEW starting, because of the elite leaving, that it was going to be hard for them to rebuild, and seemingly their deal with New Japan kind of kind of filtered out, and um, it, it just it's um, it, they weren't it, it didn't seem like they were making the best decisions overall. I mean, really, to me, ROH hasn't really done much of significance in the wrestling business since the Madison Square Garden Supercard of Honor show, and New Japan was a part of that as well. So. And it was because of the elite that that show was even possible. You know, we all remember when a fan asked Dave Meltzer if ROH could ever do a show in the garden, and Cody Rhodes said, oh, I'll take you up on that bet, Dave. And then all in happened, and then we get AEW. So then we see the, you know, them doing the Supercard of Honor. Uh, you know, they advertised at first for the elite to be there and the Bullet Club, well, at least the, the Bullet Club elite at the time, to be there. And then obviously that didn't happen because AEW happened. So. It just makes me, uh, you know, it makes me sad that, you know, they're kind of closing doors. You know, you have a lot of talented people on that roster. Guys like Jay Lethal and Roosh, uh, you know, the Briscoes. Uh, Shane Taylor, I believe, is still there. You know, we you have uh, Jonathan Gresham, uh, Matt Taven. You know, there's a lot of great talent on that roster and it's sad to see, you know, guys we we're watching in wrestling today were st- huge staples, who are hu- who are big staples of the industry now, or who are still part of, you know, guys like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Brian Dan- Danielson, Adam Cole, uh, the Young Bucks, like we mentioned. Uh, you, you know, uh, I'm forgetting some guys. I believe I said AJ Styles. I, I did say AJ Styles. You know, there was a lot of guys who have come and gone from Ring of Honor who have gone to make huge waves in the wrestling business and made huge waves in the wrestling business because of Ring of Honor and in Ring of Honor. So it just seemed like, you know, eventually that ROH would kind of bounce back at some point when the Elite left. But 
then COVID happened and they they their plans really got fucked up. So this is a really really sad time. Um, and I read a report that, and I can't remember the the who said this, but that at the time, as of writing, that WWE are not interested in any Ring of Honor talent. Um, it, it's it's sad because Ring of Honor is closing their doors, and who the hell knows if they will come? They say they'll come back for 2022, but they're releasing everybody from their contracts. So who the hell knows if they're gonna, you know, be able to get a lot of these guys and girls that they once had. You know, a lot of people could go over to like, you know, they could go over to Impact Wrestling, they could go over to WWE or or AEW or New Japan, uh, MLW. A lot of there's a lot of places for guys and girls to work and it it, it just it just sucks, man, you know, and especially how Maria Canellis uh, I forgot, you know, uh Ma- uh uh, not Matt Bennett, uh, Mike Bennett, Mike Mike Canellis. Um, you know he, Maria, I should say rather, she was like so passionate about getting the women's division up from the ground running. You know she had a plan, she had a vision, and she was so so heavily involved. And it's like, and now that's that's gone. I. Uh, I don't know what the future holds, but it does not look like ROH will be coming back. Uh, in my opinion, I, I don't know. As far as where these some of these guys and girls could go, I mean, some of the obvious ones is like Jay Lethal going to AEW because Jay Lethal is has been he's he is a Ring of Honor guy, but will he stay? You know, will he stick around and wait for for him to get a contract offer? You know, uh, the Briscoes. I mean, the Briscoes are kind of working in GCW for a bit right now. Maybe they saw the writing on the wall and they're just like, yo, we need to start working in GCW. GCW is another place I, I, I can't believe I forgot about. You know, that they're a huge staple right now. Maybe a lot of these guys could go over to GCW and work with some of these younger guys, you know. W- you know, work with guys like Effie and all them. Uh, I'm not too familiar with the, 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 the GCW roster as a whole, so forgive me. Um it's just sad, man. You know, I've I've been fortunate enough to go to three Ring of Honor shows. Um, my first one, Sean and I went to Final Battle 2017, and that was a fun show. We, the main event of the show was Cody Rhodes defending the ROH World Title against Dalton Castle, which was a really really well told story. Um, the Young Bucks faced uh, Flip Gordon um, and other guy. I cannot remember who else is in that match. I'm sorry for the life of me. I I cannot remember it was, it was hangman in the bucks and I, I, I might have just said kenny omega omega was not there uh it was hangman in the bucks against somebody i don't remember um marty's girl had a great match against jay lethal um uh will osprey was there facing matt taven uh, uh war raiders or war machine at the time facing uh facing uh kazarian and daniels back when they were known as the addiction uh, really, really fun show. And then I went the second time. The build up to All In was happening. Uh, we had like a like a Bullet Club versus Kingdom and uh, Shane Taylor, I think it was. Uh, Hangman Page did a fucking moonsault off of the the balcony in the Hammerstein Ballroom. And the last show we went to was ROH Final Battle 2018, where it, the main event was SCU versus the Young Bucks versus uh, the Briscoes for the tag team titles. It was a fun, fun match. Such a great night, and um, 
uh, I'll always look fondly of my my memories on Ring of Honor and and always be thankful for Ring of Honor for the time that they provided us as wrestling fans. And I, I implore everybody. And uh, actually, I I'm I'm lying. <laughs> the last Ring of Honor show I, I went to was not Final Battle 2018. It was the Madison Square Garden show um, with New Japan and Ring of Honor, a soul solely Ring of Honor show. I'll I'll, I'll say Final Battle. But um, yeah, man, it, they they just really really fun times. You know, I got to meet the Young Bucks my birthday uh, final battle. I get to meet Cody. Um, you know, really really nice guys. Um, it's it's a it's it's a very sad time, but I know the talent that's there will find work. I know there's a lot of talent around the. There are still plenty of other places to work. You know, I mentioned a bunch of them, and Triple A is another one that I failed to mention. But there's so much talent. In, in that roster that they will find jobs they will get work you know the indies is also a really big thing uh, I, I think even guys like you know Roosh could go and go down to Mexico Matt Taven can work the indies like Matt, Matt Taven uh, you know I grew to, I, I, I love to hate Matt Taven Matt Taven was such such a great heel and I think he's an asset to wherever he goes I think Impact Wrestling would be a great get for Matt Taven uh, and just to really, really solidify him, I don't solidify the guy. The guy knows what he's doing, so I just think it'd be really nice to see there. But we'll see what happens with Ring of Honor, and, Ring of Honor in the future, and hopefully this isn't the end. But it sure as hell seems like it. Uh, a few of the other big wrestling stories that happened throughout the week. Uh, Charlotte Flair uh, doesn't appear to have any friends backstage. So let's go into this uh, story right here. So. Most recently, Charlotte Flair has been pulled from any media from WWE reports from Sean Ross at Fightful.com. Charlotte was recently involved in a backstage dispute with Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch after their little title exchange segment on SmackDown went southwards. According to PW Insider, the heated exchange was caused after Charlotte went off script and made, quote, Becky look bad by throwing the title when it wasn't called for. 12-time the 12-time women's champion was later escorted out of the venue by security personnel to avoid further tension. Um, according by Sean Rossap, Charlotte was to be on media duty before this week's SmackDown, but it looks like plans have changed as tensions rise between her and management. Following the in-ring drama and the backstage altercation, reports from PW Insider suggest that WWE that WWE is unhappy with Charlotte. The report states that Charlotte is an isolated figure in the locker room, and Sonya Deville nearly got physical with her this, with the second-generation star. That I did not know. Uh, the other article continues to read, says, Charlotte could be looking for a WWE exit. According to PW Torch's sources, Flair has been, quote, increasingly difficult to work with, end quote, with other... W- Another WWE superstar said that no female stars wants to work with her in any capacity. According to Dave Meltzer, Charlotte Flair's backstage situation is tricky. If WWE punishes Charlotte Flair, they would have to do the same to other wrestlers who are difficult backstage. It's a tricky situation, isn't it? WWE just hand her over. WWE doesn't just hand, does WWE just hand her over to AEW? Said the source. Rumors of Charlotte moving to AEW have dominated headlines ever since her altercation with Becky Lynch. Her fiance Andrade Ali uh being a prominent star in Tony Khan's promotion, many believe that Flair's backstage troubles will inevitably lead her to AEW, especially since Andrade tweeted a profanity-filed message for WWE following Rampage last week. Uh, he tweeted, F-U WWE. Literally, it was F-U. However, as per report from PW Insider, that seems unlikely as Charlotte has been with WWE for several years and is valuable. It's 
unlikely that WWE will go to super uh, let, willing to let go of a superstar like Starlet's stature. She has been built to be the greatest female superstar of all time. WWE will probably try to de-escalate the situation in the next coming weeks. Other things, and this is just off of my memory, that Char- uh, that Vince McMahon was. Uh, was upset with Charlotte because he didn't, uh, she didn't approach him, talk about the situation. Um, uh, from what it seems like, Charlotte is uh, getting a really, really big ego, and it, it, it's this could a lot of this could be on WWE's fault. You know, you you you've built, like the article says, you have built Charlotte to be the greatest female wrestler of all time, and. Is that just some marketing thing from WWE trying to make her the greatest ever? Honestly, it could be a little bit, but no. Because you look at her her matches. You look at her presence. She carries herself like a star. She has some of the best matches in the entire company. You know, her and Sasha Banks had a classic feud. Regardless of how you felt with the finishes and all that, they work wonderful together. They uh, they were great together. You know, the match she had with Ronda Rousey at uh, Survivor Series, great match. Her match with Asuka at WrestleMania. Uh, you know, the matches she's had with Rhea Ripley. Uh, Charlotte Flair is the greatest pro- women's professional wrestler of all time. There is no doubt about that. However, this whole situation appears Charlotte has get, gotten a bit of an ego from what we were seeing uh, you know, she didn't want to willingly drop the, uh, give the title to Becky Lynch to do the title swap, which the title swap thing is so fucking stupid. Um, she didn't, she willingly did not want to do that. And uh, apparently, you know, she didn't want to make her, her title reign look weak just by handing the title over. Um, it's just, it, it's, it sucks really. Again, another thing that sucks about Charlotte's atti- attitude being a big problem in WWE um, the other thing being is that um, that uh, she you, ha- you kind of have to be fair to her in, in, in a way because remember we, we can be quick to judge with Charlotte with with the way things are going right now but you got to remember also what was going on earlier this year she um, you know she was kind of a thrown together tag team with Asuka just again another title another victory under her championship wins um, she was Put in a storyline where Lacey Evans was kayfabe fucking her father. Lacey Evans was kayfabe fucking Charlotte's father, I should say. That sounded wrong the way I say it. Um, where she's kayfabe in a relationship with, with Ric Flair, pretty much. Even though Ric Flair was a heel manager with Lacey Evans against his own daughter. Uh, she was misdiagnosed for being pregnant right before WrestleMania, having to miss WrestleMania. Now, if I remember correctly, those plans were, it was supposed to be Lacey Evans versus Charlotte for the Raw Women's Championship, and then Lacey gets pregnant, and then, you know, she has to go away. Um, then Charlotte was going to win the title as a babyface. That that didn't happen. Lacey gets pregnant. She has to go off and miss WrestleMania. Oscar's uh, still the Raw Women's Champion going, uh, you know, going in. A lot of people were hoping for like you know a re- myself. I was hoping for something with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, so Char- uh, Rhea could get her win back from Charlotte. That didn't happen. We got Oscar versus Rhea Ripley, which was fine, and it was good for Rhea Ripley. She won the Raw Women's Title. Um, 
And then some people were suggesting, hey, do a triple threat, which they did at WrestleMania Backlash, which was a good match. But the other thing about Charlotte, you have to remember, is that this whole kind of range she's been in for the past couple of years, it's very reminiscent of Triple H's run back in the mid-2000s, where he would be the world champion, and every once in a while he would take losses or drop the title to somebody, but in the end, he still looked good. He still looked the best in the end. You know, he put over Chris Benoit in the main event of WrestleMania 20 and tapped out to the Crippler crossface. But at some point, Chris Benoit dropped the title to Randy Orton, but WWE wants to forget about that. Um, And then Triple H is in the hunt for the world title again. And Randy loses the title, and Triple H gets it back. Uh, and at some point, I'm kind of not sure what it, at one point it did happen, but uh, we had Goldberg, the whole Goldberg thing. Now, like, I don't get why Goldberg didn't win the world uh, title uh, for, and uh, I think it was SummerSlam, whatever it was. And then he won the title at Unforgiven the next. I'm like, why wouldn't you just do that? You know, uh, I'm, I'm like right now I'm looking up the the history of the World Heavyweight Championship, and you know, we have Triple H, uh, then to Shawn Michaels, uh, which was about seventy six for seventy six days as the champion going in. Then Shawn only held it for about a month. Then Triple H held it for two hundred eighty days. Uh, dropped to Goldberg, and then Goldberg. <laughs> Triple H won it back from Goldberg at Armageddon. Then Chris Benoit. Uh, and then you have Randy Orton. And now Triple H is back in the mix. And then it was vacated. And then Triple H wins it again at New Year's Revolution. Uh, so it's, you know, and it, like a lot of guys who are over the time, like, you know, like Kane, for instance, you know, that Kane never really, he never really recovered from that. You know, and you look at a similar thing with Charlotte, you know, the whole thing with Rhea Ripley. Charlotte beat Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania 36. She beat her. And I would I didn't like this initially, but I thought, you know, maybe this could work because Charlotte's NXT women's champion, maybe it can really help elevate the the women's roster in NXT. It didn't. We got like maybe what? Two matches? Out of Charlotte as NXT Women's Champion, what she she faced Io Shirai like once, and then Rhea Ripley came in. Then they had that that really great match at Takeover in your house, and it was Rhea who no Io who won the title. You know, but Io didn't even pin Charlotte in that match to win the title, and then going back to Rhea Ripley again, you know she wins the Raw Women's Championship. At WrestleMania, it's Asuka. She pins Asuka at WrestleMania Backlash and gives like a nan, 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 like being like a you know like a big fuck you to Charlotte. I'm like, ah, Rhea, don't do that. And then we have Charlotte versus Rhea at Money in the Bank, which was a great match, but Rhea lost the title to Charlotte. So you're telling the story that Rhea can't beat Charlotte, not even once, and that doesn't make any sense to me. So in the end, Charlotte keeps prospering. Charlotte keeps winning. And again, this is not a thing of me shitting on Charlotte Flair because like I said, I I think and I truly believe she is the greatest women's pro wrestler of all time and she's the best women's pro wrestler in the world today. Her pedigree speaks for herself. 
It just speaks for itself. And just you just watch her in the ring. She is the best ever. But over time, I feel like WWE had these very high expectations of Charlotte. And, you know, they kind of, you know, Ric Flair on NXT, when she was coming in, saying she's the greatest Flair athlete of all time. You know, not the greatest women's athlete, the greatest Flair athlete. You know, putting a lot of pressure on your father who is considered to be the greatest of all time in a lot of people's eyes. You know, you know they, they kept putting Charlotte in these situations, keep giving her title wins. The main event of WrestleMania 35, it was going to be Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. The match we all wanted. And then they just throw, they take Becky out, they throw Charlotte in there, they take back, they put Becky back in, triple threat, and then they have Charlotte win the SmackDown Women's Championship from, from Asuka to go in as a triple threat match. I remember saying the podcast with Sean all those years ago that it should have been Asuka versus, versus Charlotte at WrestleMania. You have two really big women's matches and just leave the main event to be Becky versus Ronda. That's what we wanted. And that's not what we got. Charlotte did not need to be in there. So a lot of this can be on WWE themselves, just giving Charlotte all these title wins, giving Charlotte all of these accolades, and it can give her a bit of an ego, which it has. So I will say, overall, I think that Charlotte Flair, I think this thing will blow over at some point. But Charlotte does need to come back down to earth. I think that whatever is going on, she uh, whether she wants to leave WWE or not, like PW Insider is saying, she can't right now. Will she try to get a release? I mean, if she wants to, she'll try, but WWE will not allow it. So something's got to give. Something has to be done. Otherwise... You got you, you know you got your top woman on the roster, and she doesn't want to play ball. No one wants to play ball with her. No one wants to work with her because she's difficult to deal with. I mean, it's not the first time in a while. I mean, a while ago, Charlotte and Nia Jax got into a bit of a thing on live on Raw into a shoot, and just like Becky and Charlotte, they got into a shoot too. Overall, Vince, Charlotte, and you know maybe Triple H, they need to have a sit down and just work this out. And figure out what is it that she wants, what can they do, and what they need of her to do. Because don't just give her everything she wants because it's just going to be more and more of a problem that way. But a result needs to be worked out because it. They've already AEW, AEW have already gained so many of WWE's assets in the past recent, just this year alone with Danielson and Cole getting CM Punk to come out of retirement. You know, John Moxley in the past couple of years, Chris Jericho, you know, they've lost a lot of people to go over to AEW and they can't afford Charlotte too. I would love to see Charlotte in that roster, but they cannot afford it. They cannot afford to lose Charlotte as well. And speaking of AEW, I'll get into my AEW review of Dynamite just from the other night in a little bit. But first, I want to talk a little bit about this whole story with Eric Bischoff. Talking shit about CM Punk. So last week, Eric Bischoff and Tony Khan, reading this from, uh, what is this? It is uh, SB Nation. 
Uh, cage side seats. That's what it is. I thought it was cage side seats. Last week, Eric Bischoff and Tony Khan took turns lobbying criticisms from one another across the digital waves. The former WCW president and WWE Hall of Famer isn't done with AEW. On the latest edition of his 83 Weeks podcast, Bischoff dug into the results of Friday's October 15th ratings, which led him to talk about CM Punk and the impact Khan's biggest roster addition had on All Elite's performance. And this is what Eric Bischoff had to say. Great anticipation of CM Punk. I put it over. I was excited. I ne- I've never met CM Punk, and I've never had a conversation with Punk. But I'm well aware of, of the equity and the value that the ca- of that character and the way it was teased and the anticipation that was created. I was so excited because about that because it's the first time in a long time I've seen a controlled build that really created the anticipation of such a big part of what I think makes wrestling work. Punk debuted and the ratings were high. Since that time, they're back down to 500,000 or 600,000 viewers. Punk hasn't delivered. Punk came out and they're consistently making references to WCW because they want to be WCW. They want to be the company WCW was back in the mid-90s. Punk said bringing top talent was was more significant than Scott Hall and Kevin Nash came in the week. It came in and we took off. Punk came in and you sh- and shit the bed in terms of ratings. It ain't here. And there's nothing in reality to suggest otherwise. So you just need to be careful about what you say until you're you're delivering. This is what lit my fuse when CM Punk came out and said, it's going to take five years for the effect of this talent to significantly show up in the ratings. Are you fucking kidding me? Is anybody going to believe that nonsense? It's going to take five years? As far as I know, I don't think uh, CM Punk has commented on Eric Bischoff's uh, latest little statement there. But... I got. He does make valid points. Let Let's get this one thing clear. He makes valid points in the sense of the ratings with Rampage. I don't know what AEW was thinking. I I'm guessing they wanted to use Punk to boost Rampage's ratings and everything, but it's not going to take one guy. I, I I think Rampage. There is a bit of a problem because it is a show that airs at ten o'clock on a Friday night, so. It's hard to kind of do that. I mean, I don't watch Rampage every single Friday. I'll be very perfectly honest about that. You know, I don't have necessarily the time. You know, when I'm getting back home from work and I'm coming home, um, doing my own thing, you know, cooking dinner and all that. And, and, you know, I'm really tired around 10 o'clock and I'm not sure if I really want to watch uh, you know, Rampage. Sometimes I do, you know, like I, I wanted to make sure I watched that Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki match. It was fucking amazing. And that's going to be coming out in a top 10 uh, best matches of the year later this year before the year's over on the podcast. However, for Eric Bischoff to say he kind of shit the bed is a little ridiculous. Again, he said ratings aspect, but you got to remember we're living in different times now. I think, I think if had they used Punk on Dynamite more often, then this wouldn't necessarily be the case. Punk just had his first match in in, in on Dynamite for AEW just this past Wednesday against Bobby Fish. It was a great fun match, but he debuted in August. He debuted almost exactly two months ago, and. It's just taking two months now for him to have, for him to make a day his debut match on Dynamite. Doesn't make any sense to me it, at all. It really doesn't. So, 
But as far as like him as a wrestler captivating people, like CM Punk is, I mean, again, he's my favorite ever. So he's one of the best ever. So I think it's a little harsh for Eric Bischoff to say some of these things. Again, granted that he is, granted that he he is valid in some of his points. But I don't think Punk should be embarrassed because he's not the one driving all these numbers up to the millions. Again, you have to remember the fucking time slot, too. I mean, I don't even think if you got Stone Cold Steve Austin to appear on Rampage every single week that people are going to want to fucking see Rampage every single week. That, that's what, just what I think. I don't think the, the ratings are going to go up super, super high all the time. You got to kind of... Rampage is still a very new show. You got to just let it build and let it happen. Dynamite is successful. The rate, the ratings for Dynamite are usually, from what I've seen, in the 800,000 to close to a million almost every week. And the stories they're telling, especially with the Hangman Adam Page and the Kenny Omega story, and the little subtleties in the Elite going on with Adam Cole, you know, they're doing very, very well. I think once CM Punk is going to start to face, you know, guys that we really want him to face, guys like Danielson and Adam Cole... Uh, Kenny Omega, MJF, and other really top-named guys in the company, I think we're going to see a shift and things will start to get better. Overall, though, I don't think CM Punk should the bed, and he definitely should not be embarrassed by any fucking means. And real quickly before we get into my AEW review, uh, you know, a little bit of, of the show that I saw. I, I saw most of the show, and I'm just going to talk about the key points that, that I saw and what I enjoyed. But... I was very intrigued to see that Braun Breaker did not win the NXT title from Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa cosplaying uh, Kratos from uh, God of War, which is really cool. And then and then uh, Stu Grayson, uh, you know, blew him out of the water with his cosplay for Halloween. Um, I was very surprised by that. I like the Toxic Attraction, won all the gold, Mandy Rose and Gigi Dolan and... Her fucking name, I can't remember her name, but that, that's besides the point. It's almost every title changed hands, almost every title, except the one that we thought was definitely going to change hands. So I guess maybe this is a, t- a test for Braun Breaker, but I figured that maybe they would have just put the title on him and really have him be the, the face of the NXT, the new NXT brand. Who knows? Um... Now that I think about it, he's probably going to be the one to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for the title. It's probably going to be him. Um, was this a mistake? I think it's a missed opportunity, for sure. I think it's a missed opportunity that they didn't put the title on him, and they should just they should just roll with him, you know? I don't know where he goes from here, but maybe you build him back up to face uh, Champa again one day. Who knows? But getting on to AEW. So the opening contest between CM Punk and uh, Bobby Fish was a lot of fun. Again, this is CM Punk's um this is CM Punk's uh debut match on Dynamite and it was a fun match and I think it is fair to say that the happy to be here CM Punk wave is starting to die down now. Um which is why we need to start getting him in some memorable matches and feuds. So I know the proposed match for Punk at uh, at Full Gear is Wardlow, 
Now, that would be a lot of fun if we get Wardlow versus CM Punk so we can bring on CM Punk versus MJF in the near future, and I think that match should happen at Revolution. And controversially saying, I think that should probably be CM Punk's first loss for uh, AEW. Um, if you keep him on this winning streak, maybe you can have him face Hangman Page, the future AEW World Champion. I think he's going to win for sure. Some people, very few people, think that he shouldn't, but he absolutely should win at this point. I don't think they should wait any longer. Um, I, I do want to see CM Punk getting into some big storylines and some feuds. So right now, Wardlow is involved with MJF's feud with Darby Allin and Sting. So we're getting MJF versus Darby Allin and Sting. Um, that segment was fun. You know, Dar uh, MJF uh, squashing a kid named Bryce Donovan. After the match, he said he broke Darby mentally, gloats about knocking out Sting last week. And MJF says nothing is stopping him from becoming the next world champion. And I love that he said that uh, there's nothing there's nothing better than I do than pinning shoulders to the mats and banging rats. But I would not I would rather stick my junk in a blender than 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 go near any of your your fat, disgusting women of Boston. Here's your mother getting banged by banged by me. Hada MJF Hada <laughs> He's he's so great. He's so fucking great. Uh, it seems like MJF and Darby Allen's going to be happening at, at uh, full gear, which is what I predicted anyway. Um, Malachi Black said that he had divided the Nightmare family and forced Cody Rhodes to take measures that had he never before. And Malachi states that he got the entire crowd to hate Cody last week and the house always wins. That was his that was his message. That is what he wanted. That is what he was trying to do. It was never about winning and losing. It was about getting the, the world to hate him and the crowd to hate him, which is what he did. And I'm enjoying this story. I guess we'll go into the the Cody promo. And Cody says that he didn't want to take it the easy way out, nor would he issue his power to go after the world title. And says that fans can cheer, they can boo whoever they want, but the fans need to remember he built the AW, he built AW and makes a bold statement that he won and he won't and saying that he won't turn. And he apologizes to the fans and the Nightmare Family, Arn Anderson, and he tells Cody and Cody tells Arn that he was right all along. Andrade later comes out and says that Cody, 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 Cody. I know that sucked. Uh, he said, you know, these people don't like you. I don't, don't like, and they don't like me. But the difference is I don't care what the people think of me. So you, you, we can get in the ring with me and then I can make you my next bitch. Cody gets mad and Black comes in. They beat down Cody and Arn Anderson. And Pat comes in to make the save and to give a uh, evenly matched score. And Pack flips off Malachi and Andrade. So I guess maybe they're going to go with Pack and Cody versus Malachi Black and Andrade, um, which should be fun. Uh, I, I don't mind the alliance between Andrade and Malachi Black. They do have history of going back to WWE. Um, should be interesting to see where this is going. Pack and Andrade are doing really great work together. Um John Moxley squashed 10 to go into the next uh, round of the Eliminator Tournament, which this is the most brutal he's looked. He's uh, he, I think he's getting closer and closer to that heel turn. Um, and then I'll talk about the main event of, um, of Dynamite, which might be a little divisive for some people. So 
the elite come out in Ghostbusters gear, Ghostbusters costumes, and what we think is Brandon Cutler and the the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man costume. Um, the you know the all the elite come out, and there was no Carl Anderson or Doc Gallows or Don Callis. And the other big story that broke over the weekend that apparently that uh, that the AEW Impact Wrestling relationship has ended, and I guess this means it's true. Um, I. I Real, real quickly, I'll talk about that. That I, I don't think that deal really benefited AEW at all whatsoever. I think it benefited Impact more. You know, Kenny Omega coming in, Christian Cage, Matt Hardy, and Private Party. So a lot of people from AEW came in, and even you know New Japan too, with you know Jay White and some of the Bullet Club members. Um, but I am truly, truly shocked that they didn't even bring any of the women over from Impact to AEW. I mean, you have such a stacked roster in the Impact Women Knockouts division. I mean, Deanna Perrazzo, 4-1. How do you not bring her over? She's one of the best wrestlers, female wrestlers in the world, and could argue the best. Sorry, the former women's champion, I should say. She lost the title to Mickey James at the most recent pay-per-view. So, I don't know how you don't get her in there. Her, Sue Young, Dion, uh, fucking uh, Jordan Grace. You know, the... I don't know how you don't bring them in. Mickey and Mickey James. How do you not bring in them? Like, the, 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 the women's roster... I, I'll go through some of the names right here because arguably they, like I said, the best women's roster currently. So the female wrestlers we have: Chelsea Green, Cassie Lee, and Jesse McKay, Diana Perrazzo, Kimberly, Madison Rain, Mercedes Martinez, Mickey James, Rosemary, Sue Young, Tasha Steeles, Taylor Wilde, Tennille Dashwood, Jordan Grace. Like I said, Havoc. These are all really talented, great professional wrestlers. But how do you not bring them in at all? How do you not have Deanna Perrazzo versus Britt Baker? How do you not do that? I mean, there's there's so many wrestlers in... Serena Deeb versus Deanna Perrazzo. How do you not do any of these matches? I mean, really, the only people we got out of Impact AEW was Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. Now, I love the Good Brothers just as much as anybody, but eventually that shit's going to wear off, and no one's going to care. I don't get how Rich Swan didn't didn't even appear for the buildup for Kenny Omega's Impact title win. How does that not happen? How? I mean, there's, I mean, you know, and Christian Cage showing up over there was went over to uh, to Impact Wrestling, and Christopher Daniels is going over there. I think Frankie Kazarian is going over there too. But I don't know how long those tapings are going to be lasting. So my point is, hopefully the, the door can open up, the forbidden door can open up once again, and we can get Impact and AEW to work together again because Impact has really put themselves back on the map Thanks to the eight, I mean, they got more of the deal than 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 uh, AEW did, and maybe that was the and maybe that was always the intention, 
But as fans, it just kind of sucks that we didn't really get more of the Impact guys and girls to come over to AEW. And I guess that's all I'll say about that for now. Getting back to this main event with the Elite versus Dark Order, it was a fun like Halloween-style type of match. Well, they were all dressed in costumes. And um, the the Elite were dressed up like uh, the Ghostbusters. Like I said prior, uh, Dark Order was in a bunch of various different costumes. You know, guys dressed like cowboys. Uh, Sue Grayson was dressed like Kratos from uh, God of War. Uh, John Silver was dressed like Bambi. Uh uh, Evil Uno was just as a cowboy, but funniest of all <laughs> was Colt Cabana dressed up as Brandon Cutler. Uh, it, this was a fun eight-man tag match, um, but it was uh, there were very, there were subtle little things in this match. You know, there were things where like you know Adam was going to tag in. Uh, was trying to tag in from Kenny, but Kenny just looked at him and then he tagged in one of the Young Bucks. And I believe, and I might have missed this part, so forgive me. But I believe when um, you know Kenny wanted to do the the spot with the camel clutch and the young bucks kiss the uh, Adam Cole, and the, you know, on the side of the cheeks. But they're saying like, no, 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 this is Adam's thing. They are commentary didn't really acknowledge it, but they are building to an Adam Cole Kenny Omega match in the future. And please, AEW. Please do that because this is something I personally have been wanting since before AEW, since, you know, when I would watch being the elite religiously, the old days, the glory days of being the elite when they were on the road for New Japan and Ring of Honor, when Adam Cole was leaving Ring of Honor and going to WWE and how they didn't capitalize on an Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega match is beyond me. I guess scheduling didn't work out or whatever, but how do you not have that match? Now that we now that they're back in they're back in the same promotion again, oh please God give me Adam Culver's Kenny Omega. So I love the subtle, subtle little storytelling that they're telling to bring in uh, to, to to do this match. This was this is something that would piss off Jim Cornette, and that's why I love it. <laughs> it was so over the top, ridiculous. There were so many fun spots. Uh, you know the. The, the elite power bombing uh, Colt Cabana onto the uh, the uh, whatchamacallits, the proton packs. I'm sorry, I haven't watched Ghostbusters in fucking years, so forgive me. Um, you know, that was a fun little spot. You know, the Adam Cole baby where, uh, <laughs> where Nakazawa had, had a baby uh, bib and he was dressed as like a fat baby in the inflatable costume. And, you know, we had the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man as well. Um, so, it's it's fun. It's this is like how this is like house show levels of fun and silliness and ridiculousness. And it was just a fun match. I I loved it. I had a great time. I was laughing the whole time. Um, but the best part was you know this guy the Dark Order come other members of the Dark Order come down. This horse comes down, and the elite are beating down on Reynolds and uh, and Fives Alan Angels, and they're beating up this guy on the horse. And they think oh well the commentators are oh well it's probably ten you know. Little for them to find out, they take off the horse mask, and it's Brandon Cutler with his with his ta- with tape on his mouth, and you know the rest of the Dark Order take out Omega and Cole and Nick Jackson, and then Mac Jackson's the only one left in the ring with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man there, and it was Hangman Adam Page in the Stay Puft Marshmallow uh, costume revealing himself, hitting a clothesline on on Mac Jackson. 
you know, Elite coming in, Kenny Omega coming in, and Paige catching him, hitting the dead eye, waking up Rick Knox. Oh, by the way, I think it was Adam Cole who knocked out Nick, uh, Rick Knox. And getting the one, two, three for the win for the Dark Order. Th- this That moment right there, of all the silliness and all the fun, it was built up to this moment of Hangman revealing himself. And he means business. He is gunning for the world title. He wants the world title, and he's going to beat Kenny Omega for it. Um, I was listening to the Wrestle Talk podcast where they're reviewing AEW, and Ollie Davis, I believe, was saying something to the effect of that, you know, it's similar to what Jericho does in his skits where they can be really silly, and then that big, big, like, emotional reveal happens, like the Festival of Fr- Festival of Friendship, where all the ridiculousness shit happens, and then, boom, here you go. Here's all the fun, here's where the emotional uh, heel turn happens. You know, a heel turn, even though both guys were heels in the end. Um, and that's similar to what happened here with, you know, this, this tag match with, um, uh, page in the in the marshmallow suit. Uh, I, I loved it, man, and it makes me so excited for full gear. Uh, probably gonna get full gear if Hangman Page is gonna be is gonna be winning the world title. I want to be sure I'm watching that pay per view, and I just had a fucking blast with this show. Uh, overall, I, I'm really looking forward to this build of full gear. I am excited. Uh, yeah, this is just a lot, a lot of fucking fun. So I believe for me, at least for now, that'll do it for this week of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> if I could fucking speak today, the week that I've had, Jesus Christ. Thank you guys all so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, you can follow us here on Twitter at TNAWP and on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at CJ underscore 1214 and you can follow me on Instagram at CJ underscore 1293. And if you'd like, please give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, wherever you can find us. Leave us a nice little five-star review and and uh, tell us about your friends. Tell us to everybody. Uh, what did you think was the most fascinating story? What was your favorite part of the week of this week in wrestling? Let us know at TNAWP and what your favorite part of Dynamite was. Do you think CM, the CM Punk hype train has kind of died down a bit? What do you want to see more of? of are you excited for full gear what do you think about the charlotte flair scenario what do you think about the whole thing with roh seemingly closing their doors forever now uh let us know all know at tnawp on instagram sorry on twitter and tna the not another wrestling podcast on instagram jesus christ i'm gonna put the bow on this and just end it right here right now so thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the not another wrestling podcast i have been cj palmasano and i will see you all next week